Hands at blood destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the community, or via, not on, via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. And we love people listening to the podcast because it means they can actually send it to their friends or send it to their favourite politicians and say... Listen to this and learn something about what's happening in the real world, not the virtual world. Now, just in case you're a regular listener of the Anarchist World this week, and the Anarchist World this week is actually uh, comes out of the studio of 3CR, which is a community radio station in Melbourne. The reason I mention that today is that uh, currently there is a survey going on which has been managed by the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. And uh, if you want to do this little survey, you can do it online if you wish, and it's very easy. The number 3cr.org.au forward slash survey. It'll take you about 10 minutes to do. It's about, you know, what you think about the uh, programs, the radio station, what you'd like to see, etc., etc. So it's 3cr.org.au forward slash survey. And unlike... The Government Guild at ABC and the corporate-owned media, we actually welcome people who uh, don't use the net for a variety of reasons, who can't be bothered, who thinks it's intrusive, who thinks it's the devil's you know, instrument. Don't despair. You can ring this number. You can ring it right now. Hopefully there'll be somebody at the front desk and you can do the survey. Just tell me you want to do this free CR survey. 039489. Sorry, O three O three nine four one nine eight O three nine four one nine eight three double seven. Okay, so it's very simple. O three nine four one nine eight three double seven or you can go to the web three cr dot org dot au forward slash survey and do the survey. So it's available, you can do the survey till the End of April, the 20th, Friday the 28th of April. So you don't have to rush and do it now, but do it. I think it's important that uh, community radio stations get feedback and know what's actually happening. Obviously, community the community radio network doesn't have the uh, resources that the commercial stations do, rely on uh, advertising the Government Guild at ABC that do all these surveys to tell them what's going on. So I think it's important that we do it. Well, that we try to do it. You don't have to do it. It's up to you, obviously. If you're interested in the program, 
do the survey. If you're not interested in the program, do the survey and tell them you're not interested. So either way, you get caught. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, no, it's not about, it's not about surveys. Anarchy Society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social stru- <coughs> structures, which are based on equal decision-making power. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Looks like winter is creeping up on us and we're starting to cough. Now, I must be stupid. I keep telling you this, and obviously you must agree with me, but I must be stupid. Now, you know the May budget. They're going to start leaking shit now regarding the federal budget in May. And the big news in the last 24 hours, the government's cracked down on the black economy. Okay. Cracked down on the black economy. All right. Now, how much... Now, you'll be surprised about this. Only 1.5% of the economy is a cash economy. So 1.5%, okay? That means the black economy or the cash economy is about $21, $22 billion a year. Of that, $10 billion is black economy, black economic activity. What that means is cash payments, no taxes paid, etc., etc., you all know, you've got the gardener comes along, he takes cash. You've got the builder comes along, he takes cash, gives you a discount. You don't pay the GST if you take cash. So it is a minuscule, minuscule part of the Australian economy, okay? It's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of energy to actually claw back that money. Now, on the other hand, You don't need to be a tax dodger in Australia. You do not need to be a tax dodger if you're a big corporation. I mean, you can have companies like uh, News Corporation and 21st Century Fox Murdoch's Babies, you know, claim an $886 million tax refund in 2013 while making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of profit legally. You can do it legally. You do not have to break the law. I keep telling people. I keep telling people, if you're a large corporation, (coughs) you do not need to break the law to not pay tax. Chevron, involved in the uh, development of the uh, offshore uh, gas resources, it's not going to pay any tax for 30 30 years on that little lucrative investment. Paid $256 tax, I think, last year or the year before. That's for a multi-billion dollar company. And it was all done legally. You've got Queensland Sugar, you know, in Queensland. A charity, almost $2 billion turnover. And what's a charitable status based on the fact that it actually contributes to the community? We all contribute to the bloody community, don't we, especially if we pay taxes. And we all pay taxes because you all pay GST. Because in the good old days, it was people who earned money who'd pay taxes. Today, everybody pays taxes. Everybody. You pay electricity bill, you pay tax, GST. You pay your gas bill, you pay tax. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. So here we have the government telling us that in the federal budget, the big ticket item is going to be an attack on the black economy, which is a little bit like trying to punch it, do damage to a beanbag by punching it. All that happens is your arm gets caught up in it. As I said before, 1.5% of the Australian economy is the cash economy. About $21, $22 billion. $10 billion of that is black money, which people don't pay tax on. 
and that's illegal, totally illegal, okay? But the main dilemma we have in this country is not the black economy. It is a problem, but it is not the main problem. The main problem we have in the land of Oz, the land down under, the land of opportunity, the land of milk and honey, is the fact that large corporations, transnational corporations, large businesses legally pay minimal voluntary taxation in this country. They don't have to dodge tax. They don't have to evade tax. All they have to do is apply the law and have the accountants and the solicitors who can actually apply that law so that they legally pay no tax while making hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of profit. That is the main issue. That is the reason why there's never enough money for public education. There's never enough money for public health. There's never enough money for public infrastructure. So we have to go into private public partnerships, which always, you know, help out the private sector. There's never enough money, you know, for uh, many things that are required, you know, in a community. It's not there. And obviously there's never enough money. If you've got corporations, businesses, rich individuals who legally pay no tax and use all the infrastructure which has been created through taxpayers' contributions to this country, mainly pay-as-you-earn taxpayers who still pay almost 70 cents in every dollar of tax you know, collected in this country, you begin to realise where the issue lies. It's not about the black economy, 1.5% of the economy. I'm interested in the white economy. I'm interested in that legal framework which allows individuals and corporations and companies that make hundreds of millions of dollars of profit legally not pay any tax. That's where we should be concentrating our efforts as a government. That's where the government should be concentrating. But obviously, as you know and I know and we all know, real power no longer lies in Parliament, in most so-called democratic society. Real power lies in the boardrooms of national and transnational corporations whose major responsibility isn't, isn't to you, whose major responsibility isn't to the nation-state, whose major responsibility isn't to the community they live in, whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders irrespective of the human costs, the environmental costs, the social costs. Irrespective of all those costs. Irrespective. Their job is to make a profit for their major shareholders. That's it. So how can we make these people pay their way? Well, there are a number of simple, and the key word is simple, and obviously there are exceptions to every rule. But I can talk about a number of issues which don't need bloody revolution in the streets, don't need people being hung up you know, on light poles or heads chopped off in public squares. All it needs 
is federal parliamentarians to have the courage to pass this legislation through Parliament irrespective of the bleating of the corporate-owned media and to a lesser extent the government guild at ABC when they try to act as representatives for the people. A number of very, very simple options can collect over $150 billion a year, which would resolve all our issues. It wouldn't be the end of Australia as we know it. Hopefully it would be, but it won't. Simple thing which can raise 20 to $25 billion a year is a 1% stock market turnover tax. Now, every day on the Australian Stock Exchange, three to six billion dollars of shares are bought and sold. Three to six billion. A one percent, that's one cent in every dollar for every share traded, would raise over twenty to twenty five billion dollars per year, which is much more than the three billion dollars they're going to try to gouge out of the black economy, you know, over the next three to four years. Think about it. It doesn't take revolution, as I said. All it takes is simple legislation in Parliament. 1% stock market turnover tax. Another tax, Another. these are, these are the simple things. How about a 1% turnover tax. Hmm? You could exclude, say, companies or individuals who have a turn in, in private business who have a turnover, say, of less than uh, $2 billion a year, right? So $2 million a year, not billion. <laughs> I get confused these days. They're all the same, isn't it? $2 million a year. You could raise another 40 to $50 billion a year just in that simple tax. So again, there are mechanisms by which transnational corporations can be captured. There are mechanisms by which they can be forced to participate. And if they don't want to participate and they want to go offshore, buy, 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 birdie. It's like having a lodger or a guest in the house who refuses to leave, who refuses to do any housework, who refuses to clean the fridge, who refuses to do their own washing up, who refuses to make their own bed, but continues to sponge on that household. And we have the same problem in this country. We have large corporations and small corporations and businesses that refuse to contribute to the to the country, not just to the individuals in the country, but to the country as a whole. They refuse to make a contribution, although they use all the resources which are provided by the taxpayer. So the issue isn't the black economy. The issue is ensuring these people pay tax, pay their tax, pay the same rate of tax as salary people, people who receive pay as your own taxpayers are expected to pay, come straight out of their salaries into the coffers. Think about it. It's a matter of will, political will. And there is not the political will in the type 
of parliamentary debate and system that we have today. The political will is not there because they're concerned what the puppet masters will do to the parliamentary puppets if they decide to bite the puppet master's hand. It just takes a bit of courage. Let's move on. Talking about courage, let's move on. Now, I'd like to talk about the state. Now, I can all see you going, oh, no, not the state. Oh, no. But I'd like to talk about the changing role of the state because I think it's important that we understand the type of society we live in. Look, it's simple to whinge, all right? It is very simple for me to get a catalogue of whinging things and whinge about them for the next 50 minutes or next hour, the next 10 days, the next five years. You know, it's not just about whinging. It's about highlighting defects and making suggestions on how those defects can be overcome. For example, talking to you on the Anarchist World this week, I don't just say, this is the problem, this is the... You know, I try to offer a number of solutions. At the same time, try to offer mechanisms by which you can become involved in being part of the solution, not the problem that we're facing today. For example, I encourage people to join public interests before corporate interests. I am the Secretary of Public Interest before Corporate Interest. And the whole purpose of public interest before corporate interest is to have a political force in Parliament which which continues to push the concept of the public interest, the interest of the people in society as a whole is always more important than the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to make a profit for their major shareholders. And it's been particularly difficult getting members for public interest before corporations. Obviously, people have their own reasons for not joining. Some people say, what's the point? Shrug their shoulders, go in the corner and, you know, watch a bit more porn. All right? Fair enough. What's the point? Well, if that's your attitude, what's the point of living? Some people say, well, it's been tried in the past and it's failed. Well, it hasn't been tried in the past in the way we want to try it. Some people say, well, it's all stacked against you. You can't fight City Hall. What's the point? Well, nothing changes unless individuals and communities and groups make that effort to initiate change. An avalanche doesn't occur just like that. It starts off with a few stones, you know, deciding they've had enough, they want to see the world. And bingo, before you know it, you've got an avalanche. It's the same in politics. I am sure those first anti-slavery campaigners in the 17th and 18th century were considered to be losers, marginal people, that what they were going to do was going to totally destroy the world. Well, it did destroy the world for a lot of people who made their living by exploiting other people's labour for nothing. It made a huge difference to their lives. Their lives disappeared. But the positive was that the lives of those people who were brutalised by that process improved. Might not have improved as much as we'd liked, but it improved. And that initial, those initial radicals who took that 
action were those few loose stones on that cliff which ultimately caused that avalanche which saw the abolition of slavery around the world. I'm not saying there isn't slavery today, but it's not legitimised by the state. There aren't rules and laws which punish slaves for running away. It's an illegal activity, underground activity. So change is possible. And everything that you take for granted today, whether it's access to a public hospital in this country, whether it's the ability of your children or grandchildren to use a public school and get an education, whether it's your ability to walk down the street in relative safety and security, all these things came through action. And they came through small groups of people getting together who are outside the tent, who are marginalised, ostracised, abused, exploited, imprisoned, jailed and killed, who are willing to make that sacrifice to improve the lot of their fellow citizens. So change is possible. Now, obviously... If you join public interest before corporate interest, I don't, not, we're not promising you there's going to be change tomorrow or next year or the year after or in a decade or in a century. But what we can promise you, there is an organisation out there which is willing to put the interests of the public as a whole before the interests of other segments of our society. And we'll do it consistently. We'll do it daily. We'll do it up and down the country. So, to be brutally honest, we need you to join. So if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, you've got a number of options. You can download the application form from pipsy.net. Very simple, pibci.net, or just type in public interest before corporate interest, and before you know it, you'll have the Facebook page. You'll have the web page. You'll be able to, you know, access it. And if you're not computer literate or you're not interested in computers and you don't want to download an application form, I understand. You can always write to us. Ask us for an application form. Ask us for six application forms. Who knows? You may have a radical thinking friend. Write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Or you can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.net or you can download the application form from pipsy.net or you can always leave a message with a contact address we can send the application form to to 0439 395 489 0439 395 489 So it's, obviously there's always excuses you can find for not joining, and I understand that. But there are also excuses you can find for joining. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to me. Yes, we do answer letters. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can leave nice messages on 0439 395 489. 
You can have a look at my thought bubbles. Yeah, I don't know if they're of much interest to you, but they may be. Hopefully one a day, six a week, sometimes seven a week. Thought bubbles. Go to my personal Facebook page, Tos- Toscano, the number for the public. Toscano for the public. Now, I can assure you, you won't find out what underpants I'm wearing, um, whether I like awful. It won't be on the Facebook page, but I can assure you, it would look at all the things that I'm personally involved in the struggle for radical, egalitarian social change. So have a look at the website. Have a look at the Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. And if you're really desperate, become a friend. Well, tell me, you also need to like the page. You like that? Become a friend, like the page. Okay. Now, if you're listening to this program on the 3rd of April... 2017, the Georgian calendar. We're having another rally. This is the fifth Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally. And this rally will be held on the steps of the Victorian Parliament in Spring Street in Melbourne at midday. Normally goes for about an hour, an hour and a half, two hours max. And today, there won't be, on the 5th of April, that's Wednesday, that's today, there won't be any guest speakers, but what we have is concerned, interested people who are concerned about public housing. And they should be concerned about public housing because public housing has basically been pushed aside in the housing debate, in the affordable housing debate. It's been pushed aside. Nobody's particularly interested in public housing. What they're interested in is privatising public housing what they want to do is uh, set up private-public partnerships, which uh, you know uh, always, always mean that the uh, private part of the partnership makes massive profits at the expense of the public part of the partnership. They're all interested in community housing, affordable housing, social housing, which are basically privately owned organisations, whether they're for profit or not for profit. It doesn't really matter. Just adding a second layer or a third layer to the issue of community housing, the issue of public housing. Public housing is built by the public through taxes and is managed by the public. And why is public housing so important, especially in 2017? It's important because the demise of public housing is the single most important reason we have seen investors hijack the property market in this country. Obviously, there are neg- negative gearing laws which allow people who own more than one house to, you know, to claim a tax deduction. And obviously, the banks are quite happy to give out interest-only loans to people who, you know, who are who are investors. And the list goes on and on. And obviously, you've got this ha- so-called housing boom. It's really a money boom where housing becomes another commodity which is bought and sold on the open market. So why is public housing so fundamental in the struggle to provide housing in this community? It's not just a matter of providing housing for those who are most desperate, whether they're people who are homeless, people who are fleeing domestic violence, people who, have got, who, who are trying to deal with uh, major uh, psychiatric issues. It's much more than that. Public housing was initially established to give a security to people who would 
or couldn't or didn't want to buy into the private marketplace. That's what it was for. It was about creating secure housing for a 25% of your income. Secure housing. It's about security. It's about having the security to be able to bring up your children in the same area, to go to the same schools, to interact with other people in your community. That's what public housing was all about. And a strong, vibrant public housing mark, public housing sector keeps downward pressure on private investors, especially at the lower end of the market, because there's no point then competing at that level. So it pushes down prices and it pushes down rents in the private sector. You've got a weak or non-existent public housing sector. The private marketplace dominates, dominates, whether it's privately owned community housing associations, social housing associations, public-private partnerships, and the list goes on and on. They dominate the marketplace. So a strong public housing sector is good for everyone. It is good for everybody in the community because not only does it provide public housing for people who find it difficult to buy in the private market and security for these people, not only does it put downward pressure on housing prices and rents at the lower end of the market, it also decreases crime, decreases social dislocation, increases social cohesion. And public housing doesn't have to be in huge anonymous blocks. In the 80s and 90s, across the country, there was a program of spot purchasing where public where houses were purchased within specific communities so that public housing tenants were just part of the people living in that street. So this is our fifth Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally. And irrespective of we have three people there or 30 or 3,000 or 300,000 or 3 million, we will continue to have these rallies on the steps of the Victorian Parliament and we encourage you to organise the same types of rallies in your city, in your town, to promote the concept of public housing so that there is somebody in this society who is willing to stand up and say this is the way forward. And it's quite interesting. We're nice people. I mean, I'm the co-convener of um, Defend and Extend Public Housing, and we're very nice people. We like to write to our local politicians or email them in this case. And we like to tell them about the rally. And we try to have the rally on a parliamentary sitting day although that's difficult some months because in some months they don't actually sit one day in that month. And we sent out 88 invitations to the 88 members of the Legislative Assembly in Victoria and we sent out 40 invitations to the 40 members of the Legislative Council and we received three apologies. We're not very good at organising a party, are we? Could you imagine that? You sent out 120 invitations to your party. Sorry, 128 invitations to your party. <laughs> 125 don't bother to respond. And three say they can't make it. Sorry, we've got prior commitments. So, look, I'll give these people the respect they deserve because actually they had the they had the nous, or maybe their office staff had the nous to email us back and say we can't make it. So, Mr Tim Bull, 
the member for Gippsland, National Party member for Gippsland, um, send his apologies, a member of the Legislative Assembly. Ms. Ms. Christine Cousins, the member for Geelong, send her apologies. And that's the Legislative Assembly. And Mr. Bruce Atkinson, one of the senior Liberal members of the Legislative Council, sent his apologies. The other 125, missing in action. But that's, that's the nature of it. That is the nature of this type of campaign. These people will only react when the numbers increase and the pain we cause by our presence and by the strength of our arguments start them to start to give them political indigestion. That's when they begin to fear us more than they fear the parliamentary puppet masters. And that's what a good campaign is about. A good campaign isn't about one huge mass rally and then you forget about it. A good campaign is about being regular. It's like going to the toilet, you know. If you're regular, it's all right. If you get constipated, it's not good, okay? Same thing with rallies. Because we're not there, we're not protesting. We're there, we're rallying. We are pushing a particular viewpoint. And that viewpoint is that public housing is an essential component in a mixed economy. We're not raving radicals. We're just ordinary people. Well, extraordinary people, because we will be there on the steps of Parliament House. In a city of 4.5 million people, there'll be a few of us on the steps of Parliament House, you know, uh, pushing this idea of uh, public housing. Now, we don't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't have to do this. Things have got so difficult in 21st century Australia that you've got radicals who are now pushing reformist agendas. Because the concept of the public intellectual has disappeared. University lecturers and professors can't publicly comment because of the contracts that they sign with their employers. Politicians won't publicly comment because they're frightened you know, of uh, misrepresenting the party line. The media, as far as public housing con- uh, is concerned, runs on the story of the evils and perils of living in public housing estates. And the list goes on and on. So it's left to people like us to actually defend and extend the concept of public housing in 21st century Australia because we have been part of a revolution and that revolution wasn't created by us. We are the victims of that revolution and over the past 40 years we have been the victims of a revolution which promotes and supports corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation, deregulation. And we are now reaping the rewards of giving the corporate sector, of giving corporate capitalism carte blanche, an open go over the past 40 years. And we are slowly slowly, slowly beginning to realise there is a huge, huge public costs to this revolution. 
and that public cost will be borne to a significant degree by our children and grandchildren and by us as we grow older. Because the role of the state has changed. And this is what I was talking I mentioned before that I'd be talking about the role of the state and I could see your eyes roll over. It's no accident. The state is defined as a sovereign political power, okay? That is a state, a sovereign political power. And the, the idea of sovereign, you know, your sovereign, your boss, your king, your queen, your emperor, sovereign political power. Political power, not coming from the barrel of a gun, but coming from the power that a sovereign is able to exercise in a fixed geographical entity. Now, traditionally... The state was the apparatus that allowed those who exercised power within a specific territory to enforce that power. Very simple. The state was there to protect those with wealth and power. The sovereign. That's why the state is defined as a sovereign political power. The sovereign, the head, the king, the queen enjoyed a monopoly in that territory on the exercise of power. Now, anarchists have traditionally considered themselves to be the enemy of the state because the state gives those who exercise power and accumulate wealth the mechanism via which to enforce inequalities in the communities they control. This is a traditional view of the state. Traditional view of the 18th century state and the 19th century state. It was there to serve the interests of the sovereign. It was there to serve the interests of those with wealth. It was there to serve the interests of those who had a monopoly on the use of force and use that monopoly to enforce their will through the courts, the laws, the police, the armed forces, vigilante groups. And no wonder anarchists have always considered themselves to be the enemy of the state. Now, the revolutionary struggles of the late 18th century, the 19th century and the first half of the 20th century slowly, very slowly transformed the state from an instrument of terror to an instrument that was was used to look after the interests of the people living within that specific geographical locality. So revolutionary activity, reformist activity, protest activity, trade union activity changed the role of the state. the traditional anarchist aversion to the state became more and more irrelevant as the state was forced to look after the interests, welfare and liberties of its citizens. That was the legacy of 250 years of struggle. It was the legacy of the deaths of millions of people. In many 
one-party communist or socialist nation-state, the state became both an instrument of terror and personal salvation. Think about it. The collapse of state capitalism, an ideology that gave a one-party state the power to own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, gave way to corporate capitalism. We are now in a period where corporate capitalism dominates. This ideological concern dominates every aspect of our lives. If you've got a hex debt to pay for the next 30 years, if you are having trouble finding accommodation, if you can't educate your kids, if you can't put food on the table, if you can't pay your utility bills, if you you know if you're up to debt in you know debt up to your neck because in order to survive all that to a significant degree is due to the triumph of corporate capitalism. The collapse of state capitalism, a nation state ruled by one party, one political party, led to the Victory, the ideological victory of corporate capitalism. And the last 40 years has been a march forward for that victor, promoting corporatisation. And I'll repeat, what is corporatisation? It's a big word. Most of the words in this business are big, but they mean little things. Corporatisation is a very simple concept. It's the concept that one or two or three Large corporations dominate activity in a particular, human activity in a particular sphere. And we see it everywhere, whether it's food, whether it's communication. So what we're seeing is corporatisation. We see the state taking a backward step. We see the state refusing to look after the welfare of its citizens. We see the state promoting the interests of corporations. We see the state through Parliament, changing the rules so that welfare goes to corporations and that social security benefits don't go to individual citizens. We see this on a daily basis. The big problem today isn't the black economy. The big problem is, as I said before, voluntary taxation by the corporate sector and corporate welfare, where corporations legally obtain hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars from the taxpayer to promote their own sordid little commercial ventures. So here we are in the 21st century where we are seeing corporations dominate every aspect of our existence, whether it's healthcare, whether it's education, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's entertainment, television, radio, the internet, and the list goes on and on. Globalisation, what's that? Very simple concept. It means allowing corporations to cross national boundaries without any impediments. So it allows corporations to become global, to have a global reach, to have a worldwide reach, to have great deal of power, not just in one nation state, but multiple nation states. So what we are seeing today 
is the demise of the nation-state as an economic entity. The nation-state is now basically a form of mechanism to which to maintain control. It no longer determines economic activity. You see the uh, Reserve uh, uh, Bank Governor, and you see the furrows on his forehead as he gives his little speech, because he knows it's not the Reserve Bank, which is the state bank, control bank, which has ultimate power. It can pull a few levers, but ultimate power lies outside. It lies in these global corporations who can actually, in a flick of a second, you know, transfer billions of dollars across the globe. Privatisation. What's that? Well, we all know about privatisation. When public assets... And what are public assets? These are assets which have been built with the blood, sweat and tears of generations of Australians through taxation revenue to provide services to the public especially in areas where the corporate sector is not interested in providing basic services because there is no profit to be made. And we have seen the privatisation, the giving away, I won't even call it privatisation, the giving away of government-owned assets to the private sector. And we've seen the private sector then dominate that marketplace, destroy the concept of a mixed economy and a capitalist economy, where you've got state-owned enterprises and privately-owned enterprises which compete and give the private marketplace free reign to do what they like. And to rub salt in the wounds, then you have the concept of deregulation. People talking about green tape, red tape, black tape, and the list goes on and on. What people have forgotten is Many of these regulations were put in place and enforced, and the key word is enforced, in order to ensure that unaccountable corporations didn't fleece us. It's very simple. They were there to protect the public. They're there to protect the environment. But as you remove these regulations that we've seen all around us, we are seeing the private sector, get away with murder. They don't pay tax. They're concerned about the country, so they want to increase the GST to 15% and put the GST on food. But nobody talks about getting rid of negative gearing. Nobody talks about you know, uh, looking at uh, different forms of taxation to bring in revenue from the corporate sector. Everybody seems to be too frightened. It's as if we're in this train, right? And this train's going up a hill. And at the top of a hill we can see these flames and we're kind of trapped. We don't know what to do. Apart from bailing out and possibly dying, almost likely dying, you know, what we're doing is we're fanning the flames. It's just, it's just incredible. So this is the period we find ourselves in in 21st century Australia. Now, I could go on and on and on, and I would, and I will. But what's important is what can you do? The individual is not powerless. There are still enough freedoms in Australian society for us to be able to derail the current debate which talks about increasing privatisation, increasing globalisation, increasing corporatisation, removing more and more regulations. We can derail that debate.
but people don't know in which way to go. They wait for three years' time and then cast a ballot. Now, I've said to you, join public interest before corporate interest, fine. If you want to cast a ballot, fine. But if you want to work in between that ballot, there are many things that you can do as an individual and as part of a group. And as I said before, it's, it's the idea of a avalanche. An avalanche starts with a few rocks moving. If those rocks don't move, that avalanche will never begin. A forest fire starts with a strike of lightning. If there's no strike of lightning, there is no forest fire. And society is slowly becoming ripe for radical egalitarian social change as the pain increases. Not just in terms of economically, but in terms of personal pain. And it's quite ironic that 40 years after the beginning of the corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation, deregulation, revolution, that every single parameter we looked at regarding human health and happiness has gone backwards. Depression has increased by 40% in the last 20 years. People say it's because it's a better diagnosis, people accessing treatment. But it's more than that. One in 33 children in the state of Victoria is in institutionalised care. That's one child in nearly almost every class. That's institutionalised care. Whether it's care through an institution or through you know, a formal arrangement for a family matter because of the increasing pressure on individuals and family units, especially nuclear family units. We are seeing an increased rate of people living from paycheck to paycheck. One third of Australians today will be relying on family and friends to get them through the next day. Well, at the same time, there's been an explosion in the sale of luxury cars, an explosion in the sale of luxury apartments, an explosion in the sale of luxury yachts. And this has occurred to a large degree because we have people who work hard, pay their taxes, obey their law, being treated as shit, garbage, disposable garbage. While people who don't pay taxes, exploit other people, underpay their workers, are considered to be heroes who receive orders of Australia, who find themselves on the list. I was in a hospital a few days ago and I was just trying to get into this lock ward. You've got to press all these buttons. And while I was waiting for the uh, door to open, I was listening to the, I couldn't help listening to this conversation this, this doctor was having with this other doctor on a, on a mobile phone because obviously they were talking very loudly. And he was bitching about a mate, of, well, a colleague, let's not call him a mate, who'd received an order of Australia but had never once done one hour of work in a public hospital. Not once assisted the public in any way. And this is the type of person who is rewarded in Australia today. Those who don't pay their taxes. Those who exploit other people. Those who live the celebrity lifestyle. They're the ones who are rewarded. They're lauded. They're talked about. They're worshipped. 
while the person who does the back-breaking work, the 70 cents in every dollar that comes from pay-as-you-earn taxpayers, those people are treated as idiots, morons, expected to fund their own retirement, have their superannuation money used by the world's stock markets to promote their ends, see their children unable to complete their education, find themselves in increasing difficulties. So this country is becoming rife, ready. It's tinder dry. It is socially tinder dry. It is waiting for that strike of lightning which will create radical social change today. It could occur tomorrow, next week, next year, in a decade. But if things continue the way they will be, that strike of lightning is people like us. People who are willing, like us, to rally on the steps of Parliament House. People who are willing to take our struggle to the people. People who are willing to create a new political party like public interest before corporate interests. So join us today. You can leave a message on 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to my personal Facebook page. No, you won't see me in a picture of me in my underpants. Toscano for the public, the number four, Toscano for the public. You can go to the public interest before corporate interest website, pipsy.net. Download the application form. All right. You can go to the Defend and Extend Medicare Facebook page. Sorry, Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page. We haven't got a Defend and Extend Medicare Facebook page yet, but we will. So go to that Facebook. So there's lots of things you can do. Don't be a spectator to your own demise. Get up, move on. Now, let's not forget, there's a listener survey. If you're listening to this program on Community Radio 3CR, there is a listener survey. You can do it in two ways. You can ring the front desk, 039 419 8377, 039 419 8377. Or you can go to the website, 3cr.org.au forward slash survey. Do it now. We need to know what you think about us because who knows? We may even take some notice of what you tell us. Most other people won't, but we will. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The podcast, you can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week via the community radio network on your local community radio station next week. And in the interim, get active, get organised, Get moving, change the world. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10 a.m. every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national, and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.